0: A lot of uh, where AI is providing value for enterprises today is what some people call augmented intelligence as opposed to artificial intelligence.
1: Stand by. I'll be right there.
2: Hello, and welcome to Mentor Dialogue, episode number 340. Today is Sunday, the 8th of September, 2019. And this interview is with Sam Charrington. Sam's an industry analyst specialized in machine learning and artificial intelligence. He's also the host of the very successful podcast called Twimal, aka This Week in Machine Learning and AI. In this conversation with Sam, we plunge into how and why businesses are using machine learning and artificial intelligence. The biggest learnings he's had. After doing nearly 300 episodes, who was his favorite guest, as well as the outlook for AI and ML in 2020? Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss branding and all things digital. I'm Minter Dial, your host, and you'll find the show notes on my eponymous site, MinterDial.com. Enjoy the show. Sam Charrington what a pleasure to have you on my show so podcaster to podcaster you and I met at Pega World and uh, of course I've been following what you've been up to you're an expert an analyst on all things machine learning and AI and your podcast which is the much vaunted this week in machine learning and AI twee meow I'm not sure I'm
0: <laughs> Twimble. <laughs> Twimble. All right,
2: so tell us in your own words, Sam, who you are.
0: Absolutely. Well, first off, Mentor, it is a pleasure to uh, be on your show and to be chatting with you. Uh, so I'm an industry analyst. Uh, and when I ask people if they know what that means, most people have no idea. <laughs> uh, but fundamentally... Uh, What it means is that uh, I spend a lot of time uh, studying the way enterprises adopt emerging technologies nowadays with a particular emphasis on machine learning and AI uh, and sharing what I learn. Uh, And in fact, my podcast started out of uh, out of that. Um, I, you know. Traditionally, as a, an industry analyst, you talk to a lot of people, you kind of write up some notes about these conversations that you have, you share them with the world via presentations and publications and the like. And uh, I realized that with quote unquote the modern technology uh, podcast to be in particular, uh, there was a way to short circuit that and have these conversations out in the open, give other people an opportunity to listen in and learn as I'm learning. Uh, directly from the source. And uh, really, that was the uh, that was the kind of initial thought behind the podcast. And we're three years later, coming up on 300 shows, uh, recently celebrated 5 million downloads. Wow. Uh, it's been a, an amazing adventure.
2: That is brilliant. Well, you know, industry analysts is actually a terminology we use on Wall Street. And I used to be working with industry analysts and they were the guys who were in gals who would um, look at the the way the industries were and the players within the industry. So it's not a term that's foreign to me in any event. Mm -hmm. So um, brilliant. Let's just start with uh, laying down some table stakes for those of us who are not as comfortable and familiar as you are, Sam, with these terms. Help us understand what is and the difference between machine learning, deep learning, and artificial intelligence?
0: Absolutely. So this is a question that comes up frequently, and there are lots of different answers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the way I tend to think of it is in terms of a, um, I want to say a Venn diagram, but it's not really a Venn diagram. It's like concentric uh, circles. So artificial intelligence is the, the biggest the outermost circle and that is broadly defined as you know any type of system or software that allows a computer to do things that we traditionally think of as being human uh, and you know we'll put a pin on the fact that that's kind of a squishy definition and makes for a moving target which is absolutely true um, but uh, there are lots of uh, lots of ways to accomplish that. Um, one way is to build a system with a lot of hard coded rules. Um, and uh, if you think back to your you know text based interactive adventure games, you know, from when you were a kid, you would kind of type in, you know, go into the room. And hey, there's an ogre and you start talking to the ogre, right? That's kind of artificial intelligency. Um and you know, that was all a bunch of, you know, rules. Hey, if person says something with this word in it, respond like this. Um, and so we've been pursuing that uh you know that that kind of method of creating uh artificial intelligence it was very much popularized, you know, for it's been uh, in practice for many years now in the 80s, you know, expert systems were all the rage. That was kind of the business uh, incarnation of this thinking. And a, a lot was a lot went into kind of creating these rule sets, you know, to help, uh, for example, troubleshoot, uh, you know, aircraft engines and systems mm-hmm. as an example. Um but building. These almost, it,
2: Sam, it almost sounds like problem solution type if I hear that. If this problem comes up, then this solution. I mean, obviously, it's not problem solution, but it very much feels like an engineering approach. Uh, it this, is then it, that.
0: It's very much an if if this, then that uh, kind of at its core, you know, so those kinds of r- rules. Um, and that's not to say that, um, you know, the more. Uh, popular approaches today are not engineering oriented or there's no room for kind of engineering discipline, but, uh, there's definitely a kind of rule-based approach at least to, you know, one popular, uh, realm in this broader artificial intelligence, uh, definition there, there are lots of others, but, uh, and in fact, more recently, What's become popular is uh, a, another concentric circle or uh, another circle within this bigger circle, uh, and that is uh, machine learning. And the idea with machine learning is to uh, kind of have the same kind of effect a system that, you know, in some way or another, you know, does things that we typically associate with uh, human intelligence, but does it now uh, not by kind of these rule sets, but rather by uh, training models off of data sets. Um, and in particular, applying statistical techniques to do that. Uh, so great example of a uh, machine learning type of a problem is uh, estimating the value of a house based on a data set of prior sales, which includes... The, you know, number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, zip code, uh, you know, and any number of, of factors, right? You can build out uh, a model that, you know, takes in all of that past data, uh, including the price that those houses sold for uh, and predicts based on uh, the data about a new house, you know, its characteristics like uh, number of beds and baths, et cetera, uh, what its value likely is. And uh, here in the States, there are a number of companies that do that. This has been popularized by Zillow and their, mm-hmm. their Zestimate. Um, and that's a kind of a classic example of a machine learning type of approach or problem. Uh, and then uh, a subset of machine learning is deep learning. And uh, deep learning... Tries to do the same thing, uh, but with a particular kind of algorithm called a deep neural network. And this uh, has been very successful in problems that uh, historically have been very difficult for artificial intelligence, namely perception types of problems. So uh, computer vision has been absolutely revolutionized revolutionized by deep learning uh as has uh speech translation object detection um etc in fact um great example of this came from uh an interview that i did with um with google's jeff dean uh, he talked about their Translation system. You, Google Translate um, can translate among many languages instantaneously. Uh, and uh, until rather recently, it was based on a traditional rule based model. Um, so, this kind of outer circle of artificial intelligence. Uh, and they recently made the switch over to uh, what they call neural machine translation. So, this is a model, of a, a translation model based on deep learning. And uh, the The result was astounding. They originally had a code base of half a million lines of code uh, traditionally and after applying deep learning to this problem, uh, the code base for translation was five hundred lines of code hmm. and, and so you can imagine the uh, the the cost of maintaining a traditionally a traditional AI system relative to uh, this newer deep learning system and oh by the way the performance went up it was it was a better user experience as well uh, so that's kind of AI machine learning and, and deep learning in a nutshell just think uh, you know these circles uh, and you'll get a good picture of it
2: yeah so the way I, I interpreted it then Sam is on the bigger circle AI you got rule-based within that machine learning which is much more about data and iteration to learn as the data comes in. And then deep learning is the ability with neural networks to learn by itself.
0: And and, and that's that's an oversimplification. Uh, And in fact, there are, you know, academicians in the AI community that would be coming after me, you know, for simplifying it like that. (laughs) Uh, And there are many other approaches, Uh, beyond kind of expert systems and machine learning in the bigger uh, artificial intelligence uh, circle, the bigger realm. Um, But rule-based systems is, you know, an example of a popular non-machine learning approach to AI that I think is pretty relatable to folks.
2: Part of the problem, Sam, of course, is that we're dealing with a technology that's been around for over 50 years and and materially has of course evolved, yet had has kept the same name. So it's it's quite normal that the explanation of machine learning evolves and is, is a little bit murky. I would say,
0: absolutely. And I, I mentioned that we were going to return to uh, that aspect of the kind of squishy definition. Not only has it uh, has it evolved over time and come to a comp- encompass different. Sets of technologies, but uh, it's a bit of a moving goalpost in the sense of uh, there's a joke, in fact, that um, you know machine learning is artificial intelligence that we can do today, and AI is artificial intelligence that we don't know how to do yet. Right. Right? If you think about, you know, your phone now, the, the the number of ways that you interact with AI, like your you know, text messaging, your apps or your email app predicting what you're about to say, right? That is incredible. Uh, but we get used to it. And so it doesn't seem all that mysterious or fancy or, um, or, uh, we almost, you know, think it's easy mystifying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, uh, in a sense, you know, AI you know, in, in some ways, kind of is always you know just beyond that kind of veil of of, of mystification, right? That veil of mystery, right? Yeah. Um, and if it you know becomes too familiar, then eh, it's not it's not AI. It's just you know how my phone works.
2: Well, certainly I'm in the ve I suppose I'm in the, <laughs> the center of mystification where I'm talking about empathy and AI, which let's say is maybe metaphorically speaking in an even further outside circle um so you've now done three years about 150 interviews and five million coming up on
0: 300
2: oh sorry 300 excuse me whoa i got that wrong um with all these interviews you've done sam what how would you describe your overall learning or the one that just maybe pops out of your mind the most
0: oh man there there are so many great conversations in our uh you know in our back catalog, so to speak uh the one that I just referred back to jeff Dean, I refer back to frequently that was probably there have been very few uh of these interviews that I went into and just had kind of a total fanboy breakdown and that was one of them um Jeff is such a storied. Uh, Kind of engineer and has has been behind uh, I say engineer, but he runs all of Google AI now Um, But he's behind, you know, so many of the uh, Innovations, you know that have kind of powered Google and the broader industry Hadoop for example is uh, something that he worked on early on Um, That's a, a big data system That went out into open source and uh for many years revolutionized the way enterprises uh store data and in a lot of ways thus set the stage for our ability to to use that data for machine learning and deep learning um but so much so that you know there uh, there's a wikipedia page uh I think it's on Wikipedia. It's somewhere out on the internet, but I think it's on Wikipedia like Jeff Dean jokes. Like there's this mm-hmm. Chuck Norris jokes meme. Mm-hmm. Uh Chuck, Chuck Norris is so bad that XYZ. Well, there's a, you know, a similar Jeff Dean jokes uh page with, you know, many of these jokes, you know, they they uh Jeff Dean wrote a uh compiler just to check his source code or something. It, it, I'm uh not remembering any of the specific jokes and that was a particularly you know, bad <laughs> one. But um
2: my son is he, brilliant at remembering he, all the jokes, and I'm terrible at remembering. Them, so.
0: I am as well. But he is he is a legend and that was a, a great interview. But the thing that's been so fun about the podcast and uh our approach to it has been the uh and really our mission is to kind of share and amplify a broad spectrum of voices in the machine learning and AI community because uh, we believe that um, you know it's such a powerful technology uh, that broadening the the community making it a bigger tent uh, and pulling more people into it will uh, allow us to better shape it into You know what we as a society you know want it to be as opposed to allowing it to be you know to go off in a direction that doesn't serve us um and so you know from that perspective we've talked to so many people from so many different uh you know aspects of the field folks that are looking at you know algorithms from an academic perspective folks you know in business that are Trying to apply it, we've done series on AI and sports. We've talked to artists, um, talked to ethicists, uh, just so many great conversations.
2: So, I don't. I'm, I'm sure you followed the AI conference in China with Musk and uh, and Jack Ma. Um, are you positive or negative on AI in the long term, a la Musk or a la Jack Ma?
0: Uh, I am, I am optimistic about AI. Um, I think there's, there's, there's so much going on in, in all of this, right? I think uh, in the, uh, first of all, I don't necessarily place a lot of uh, weight or credence into the kind of, you know, the Skynet scenarios that, Musk in particular seems to want to get us whipped up about, right? Like Mm -hmm. um, we're we're so far from, you know, anything like that. Like if you, uh, uh, it just seems like the wrong the wrong thing to to be worrying about. Um, And uh, but that said, I think that there are. Uh, many near-term concerns that uh, are, you know, worth paying attention to and working on. And, you know, these are things like uh, fairness and bias and transparency in our application of machine learning. Uh, So we talked about how machine learning is taking this historical data and using it to predict uh, things about, uh, you know, things for which we don't, you know, Know their uh, their value or th- th- things that in the future, um, and an inherent aspect of that is that you know when we train these models based on this historical data, all of the biases that are inherent in this historical data get baked into our models. So, um, you know, if we're a financial institution, is historically made. Uh, You know lending decisions with some inherent bias then that gets baked into a model and uh, You know there's a risk that you not only do we continue to make these biased lending decisions But we now distance ourselves from them and justify them by oh well The computer said that you know, this is you know, whether we should lend to you know person X Y and Z or how much we should lend etc and so I think there are a lot of kind of near-term, very real risks uh, in machine learning, and uh, I'm opt- optimistic because there are a lot of very smart people uh, that are working on, uh, on these risks, addressing them both from a, uh, a kind of academic perspective, a very practical perspective, an awareness perspective, a uh, regulatory perspective – um yeah.
2: So where do uh, you so place long- <laughs> Where <laughs> where do you place the risks then?
0: Uh again, I think the the risks are in um kind of near-term misapplication, I guess, of machine in, learning in, in and the hands not of- adequately addressing not adequately addressing its weaknesses, in particular kind of bias, fairness, that kind of thing.
2: But so it's not like nation-state. You're not worried about that kind of an AI. You're more worried about it applied in business with and maybe politics, but more at a, in a, within a national context.
0: I think, uh, you know, so for example, kind of on the nation-state uh, question, I think a lot of people are worried about uh you know autonomous uh you, you hear a lot of discussion about kind of again the skynet scenario like these autonomous weaponized robots uh-huh. um i think or
2: just drones you know?
0: or, or well i was going to say like i th- i think that there is uh a risk in you know any application of technology that you know distances human from the destruction that they can wreak uh on other humans. Mm-hmm. And uh AI like drones themselves is uh you know AI applied to drones like drones themselves, you know, is, is very concerning. Uh and uh I am kind of against the weaponization of, of AI or incorporation of uh AI into in weaponized uh you know scenarios. Um but fundamentally, I'm worried about kind of the humans that are, you know, doing this and the the use of AI to augment our ability to wreak destruction more so than, you know, there's going to be a bunch of robotic things out there making independent, you know,
2: mm, right
0: destruction decisions. Right.
2: AGI. So, um, right. It's focusing more on the business side of things. And as businesses are, are sort of dealing with this digital transformation and onboarding these new technologies at whatever paces and, and, and speed they're trying to do, how would you describe the state of play looking into next year, let's say the next 18 months of AI, machine learning and deep learning as to how businesses and entrepreneur and or entrepreneurs are approaching this type of technology?
0: Yeah, I think we're at a really interesting place. And this is uh, something that I've been spending a lot of time working on uh, recently. Uh, starting about a year ago or so, um, a lot of the conversations that I would have with folks uh, on the business side started converging uh, in the sense that a lot of people were experiencing the same things. Namely, um, you know, for the prior several years, they'd been investing in these experiments around machine learning and ai to see kind of how it fit how it played within their organization so they kick off these proof of concepts uh, they staff them up with a team of data scientists uh, and others uh, and kind of let them you know run their course uh, and uh, you know fast forward to you know then and now um, you know these proof of concepts were starting to mature. You know business uh, value is you know becoming clear to the the business and. Yeah, at the same time, a lot of my conversations with uh, folks on the business side were, you know, hey, we've been evangelizing this technology and its ability to help us achieve very real business outcomes like reducing customer churn, increasing sales, uh, increasing customer satisfaction, uh, helping our call center agents, you know, get to the root of customer issues more quickly. Um So we've been out there evangelizing, you know, all these outcomes and we've demonstrated them in our POC's and now everybody's on board and they want us to go, you know, do more of this and we're not sure exactly how to do that. We don't know how to get to there, you know, from we don't know how to scale up our ability to uh, deliver these models in their production. uh, And we're pretty sure the answer is not by resourcing these projects the same way we have because we've been doing everything kind of one off. Uh, and so that led to um, uh, a line of inquiry that resulted in uh, a few things. The, the first was a series of podcasts that we did uh, under the banner of AI platforms that looked at the way leading organizations built out infrastructure and tooling to help them get machine learning models uh, into production more quickly, more consistently. Uh, Reduce the the risk in um, In fielding them, etc. Uh, I interviewed folks from the Facebook FB learner team That's their internal platform that's used by the vast majority of Facebook engineers when they build machine learning into their applications uh, The pro ml team at LinkedIn Airbnb has a platform internally called big head um, talked to folks at OpenAI and Comcast and Shell, all about the ways that they were, you know, building out platform and tooling and process to support being more successful and moving more quickly with machine learning. Uh, Also published the first of now a couple of eBooks on that topic. Uh, And those conversations that we uh, started having about a year ago, Uh, led us to realize that there weren't enough of those conversations happening. Now that we have kind of proven out the the basic value of this, how do we, you know, do it faster, better, you know, cheaper, and more of it. Uh, And so we launched, and so we launched a conference uh, on this topic that is coming up the first and second of October in San Francisco called Twimlcon AI Platforms. And it's uh going to feature a couple of tracks, a case study track where we'll hear from folks at companies like Capital One and Zappos and SurveyMonkey and Levi's and more all about the things that they're doing to, uh, to industrialize the way that they do machine learning uh, as well as uh, a track focusing on different technologies that can be used off the shelf to help uh, companies get there as well.
2: So how can Uh, people come to your conference?
0: uh, Absolutely. So they can visit the website for the conference. It's twimlcon.com, T-W-I-M-L-C-O-N, as in conference, dot com, um, and uh, learn all about the amazing speakers and agenda and uh, register there.
2: Brilliant. So um, what about 5G? I mean, you you talk on your Twitter handle anyway about the cloud, IoT. I have to imagine that I 5G is going to play uh, some kind of a role in this. I'm wondering what your perspective is.
0: Yeah, I think 5G becomes a huge enabler of AI at the edge. Uh, and... Um, a kind of leads to and plays a part in kind of this explosion of devices that now have some degree of intelligence that, uh, are out there, you know, making decisions. Um, so great example of that is, um, you know, cameras popping up all over the place, uh, being used for uh, a wide variety of applications. One of, uh, our listeners, um, Actually, initially a a listener and then um, a a guest on the podcast, a gentleman named Nick Osborne with uh, an energy company called AES, um, got some ideas from listening to the podcast about how they can apply computer vision to their business. And he set off to build a a couple of prototypes. One was putting cameras into one of their plants and train the model to – detect when folks were walking around without their hard hats on to improve safety um you know that's the kind of thing where you know the way he he did it today probably is sending a lot of data you know back to you know some centralized place um could you know very much benefit from a 5g connection right Um,
2: more more cameras more connected objects faster transmission real time
0: yep absolutely i think there's i think that's going to lead to um both a lot more data that's going to be pulled kind of centrally for you know connection or collection and being built into uh Kind of the next machine learning algorithm, but also models being pushed out to you know these devices on the edge because the cameras are getting smarter, and they can do a lot of that uh detection locally
2: well presumably you you know you the detection or at least the smarterness is coming from machines that are learning how to detect emotions learning how to detect um what 's happening and and therefore you 're not needing to have human oversight as much to manage the volumes that are coming because of more cameras, more data, and faster speed.
0: Absolutely. I think a lot of uh, where AI is providing value for enterprises today is what some people call augmented intelligence as opposed to artificial intelligence. I think uh, one of the podcasts I did where this was kind of front and center was with Gary Kasparov. Uh, The chess champion who was um, defeated by uh, the uh, computerized chess system and went on to become a a huge advocate of people and machines working together Mm -hmm. and, you know, applied to kind of these 5G scenarios we're talking about. There's going to be so much more data coming in in a lot of ways one of the biggest values of AI is kind of filtering out the not so interesting data from the interesting data and giving people an opportunity to, you know, the review, the interesting stuff, um, and make the decisions that, uh, are hard for the computers to make. Sam,
2: last question for you is hopefully it's a quick one and I'm hoping it's not the same answer. (laughs) Uh, Which of all your yes, three hundred shows, has been your most listened to? And I'm, what I mean by that is not the same Jeff Dean.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, uh, wow. I should have done my homework on that one. Um,
2: you know, it's okay. You, you know,
0: <clears throat> no, 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 no. So, so I, you know, I, I can approximate this answer. Uh, and I think, um, you know, if it's not the Jeff Dean one. Probably it is one with Jeremy Howard. Jeremy Howard has been on the show actually a couple of times now. Um, and he is the founder of an organization called fast.ai um, sure. that is dedicated to uh, dedicated to educating people about how to use deep learning pr- primarily engineers, software developers and engineers and uh, his uh, his courses have been taken by many many people um, and uh, he's always a big hit on the show and uh, I always enjoy talking to him on the show um, so I think that's probably uh, probably you know right up there with with Jeff Dean, although I will say. Uh, An interview that I am super excited about. Uh, One of the things we're doing at the TwiMLCon conference that I referenced earlier is doing some live podcast interviews on stage. Uh, And one of my guests, uh, in fact, he's going to help me kind of kick things off, is Andrew Wing. Andrew Wing, I can't think of a person who's had more impact on kind of pulling people into this field and educating them uh as andrew and in fact i got my start going through his course as did so many people uh that i talked to um i'm I'm super excited about that interview
2: i don't blame you beautiful so sam tell us how people can follow you obviously i'm going to put the links into those shows uh, as well as your show and any other clothing closing statement you'd like to give out
0: Yep. So uh, the podcast is available any place you'd like to listen to podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Alexa, uh, pretty easy to find. The website, which has links to all of those things, is twimlai.com, T-W-I-M-L-A-I.com. Uh, the conference, again, is twimlcon.com. Um, And I am on Twitter as well, at Sam Charrington. Um, And pretty easy to find, you know, there as well. That's brilliant. Um, Minter, thanks so much for having me on the show. This has been great fun.
2: It's been my pleasure to host you. (laughs) I'm glad to be on the other side for once. (laughs) Sam, take care and look forward to staying in touch.
0: Absolutely. Thank you.
2: Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue show. You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on mintodial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. And to finish, here's a song I wrote with Stephanie Singer, A Convinced Man.
1: Despite revenges and struggle to see live for the challenge so life's not incomplete What's wrong with challenge? I know soon we all die I like the feel of a stranger tucked around me, precipitating the danger. Trust in my reason and let me show you why.